Generosity is the heart of the Father. If generosity is from the kingdom, that, that's the heart of the Father, that means it's supernatural. Something supernatural takes place in a life of generosity. I used to have an, I was working at an office off the 22 freeway, and there was an exit onto Fairview. And I remember one day getting off the exit, there's always a homeless guy there asking for money. And, you know, he was standing there one day and um, happened to have a couple bucks on me. And so I just rolled down the window and I said, hey man, here's some money. And as soon as I extended my hand with some cash, two bucks, something like that, the presence of God fell. And it fell on this guy and he just started weeping and I started crying. And it was a powerful moment and ever since then I, I learned what generosity can do. Paper, it's paper, it's money. Yet something supernatural takes place when you're extending yourself. So, we're talking about being doers of the word today. And, um, you know, we've been talking about the word the past few weeks. We talked about the history of the word, the Bible, the Holy Bible, and how the word was put together, the canonization, a lot of stuff that goes over my head. <laughs> and some crazy facts and statistics. If you guys remember that, missionary that was here a couple months back, one of Brian's friend. He was from Sweden, Switzerland, Sweden. And he talked about the word and just a lot of the history of it and stats. And I mean, there's enough in there to blow your mind where it's like, whether you believe it's the word of God or not, just looking at some of the stats and the facts are like, I can't, how do I argue that, right? Um, Pastor Terry talked about the, the logos versus the rhema, the written word, right? We have the written word, and then there's the rhema, which is the spoken word of God, the two Greek words. So we, we can read God's word, and we can hear God's word today, right now. You and me can hear the word of God. What do I mean by that? You can hear God's voice, which we're going to talk about. And then uh, Brian broke down the letter of the law. So in the Old Testament, we have the law. And today, in the New Covenant, we walk in the Spirit, right? And um, now we're going to talk about doers of the Word. How do I apply the Word of God in my life? What does that look like? So, real quick, just for a few brief seconds. Actually, can you click on the next slide? I want to know where I'm going. Okay, yeah. We're going to camp out in James real quick. James chapter 1. Starting in verse 19, it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of, God, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man, observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Real quick, some context behind some of this. James, I was just 
you know, whenever I'm reading the Bible, I like to understand the context. What's this guy saying? Who is he? Where's he coming from? James, he was this James, at least, supposedly, he's not one of the 12 disciples, Peter, James, and John, the brother of John. So not this James, but another James, apparently the half-brother of Jesus. And also, they think that actually he didn't really believe that Jesus was the Christ until after his resurrection. Uh, his nickname, after he came, well, he was, so he was Jewish, right? And after he came to the faith of Jesus being the Christ, his nickname was James the Just because he was passionate about justice. He was passionate about the poor. He, you know, he's a Jewish man, so they have all these traditions and laws and rules. And if, you know, just reading through the Old Testament, you notice one thing about the heart of the Father is that he loves the stranger, he loves the poor. He loves out people, he loves helping people in need. And so that's kind of a common theme you read in James in his book is, and when he actually meets Paul, after Paul comes to the faith, and Paul meets him in Jerusalem with the council, James says, hey, we understand you're preaching the gospel, remember one thing, don't forget the poor. You're preaching, you're a man of fire, you got words coming out of your mouth, but don't forget the action of what that translates into for other people and the poor. And just like thinking about, I was thinking the other day about James, just a Jewish man who, you know, who loves the poor. And in my life as a man where I've loved talking to people, you know, sharing words, not only am I in sales and real estate, so I talk a lot, but also in, in the church of evangelizing and talking to people and telling people what to do, you know, is my life reflecting that? And that was just really convicting for me. You know, am I forgetting the poor? And it might not be financially poor, but poor in spirit, poor in affection, poor in appreciation. I, uh, early on, I'm gonna share a little bit of my testimony today. Early on when I was younger, around 20 to about 23, I was a part of this Christian ministry group um, with a couple of good friends of mine still today. And boy, were we religious. Let me tell you. So you seen those guys with signs up on the side of the streets that says, repent, you're going to hell? I'm, I'm ashamed and thankful to say that I was one of those people. And boy, did we like to talk to a, peop to a lot of people and the people I was with, talking to people, asking them questions about their faith. And just over time, there was like a check in my spirit. It was like, there's just something off with this. You know, not only was I out there laboring for Christ, but I was definitely turning a lot of people off, including the close friends and family members that I had. And so I kind of just am seeing James in this, right? Here's a man who not only does he want the gospel to be preached, but he's also wanting to see this lived in action. So we see here one of the main words and what we're talking about today is being a doer of the word. So real quick, and for a couple minutes, three minutes, I just want you to ask yourself and the person next to you, what does that mean to you? What is today being a doer of the word to you? Doers of the word. Anyone want to throw something up real quick? Anything anybody thought of?
Yeah. Yeah. Fred says we got to start carrying some more cash. And they got to be $100 bills minimum. Um, you know, right after this, James talks about, if you guys remember, he talks about faith and works. He talks about, he, he's saying that your faith is dead unless we see works. And he's, he kind of like sets up like this conversation he's having with someone. He says, you show me your faith without works, and I'll show you by my works my faith. You know, faith and faith is perfected. It looks like something through works. Now, we all have a, a, a belief structure and a system of values and principles that we believe. At the end of the day, if those, are not, if those are just ideas and thoughts in my head and words that come out of my mouth, but it doesn't actually look like something, it doesn't operate in a way that looks different, according to what I say, then the works are dead, right? So before becoming a doer, right in the beginning of, uh, you can go to the next slide. In verse 19, he says that, he's talking about being a hearer. And he says, don't be hearers only. So what does that mean? What's the first, here's the three points to being a doer. What's the first point? Well, we got to hear, right? How can I do if I'm not hearing? We got two ears and one mouth, right? Everyone always talks about that. You got two ears and one mouth, son. Am I listening to more than I'm talking? He says to be swift to hear. Let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. So he's saying not just to hear, but to understand. Be quick to understand, to give place to understanding who you are about life, the gospel, God, people, identity, the situation you're in. Right now, James is talking to people under trials. Be swift to think about the trial you're in before you get angry, upset, frustrated, and start talking. Be swift to hear. So that's step number one is hearing. We have the ability to hear. We have the ability to hear God. You know, I remember when I first started seeking the Lord, I was always looking at billboards and license plates and signs. I need to see it somewhere. What are you saying? There's a bird on the tree. What does that mean? Let me think. <laughs> but I started understanding that it's, you know, God just likes to sometimes whisper what he's saying. And it was the simplicity of the words of what he was saying. But it was like, well, God, that's too simple. That can't be you. <laughs> no, it's got to be a lot more complicated than that if it's coming from God. It can't be simple. It can't be just the simple word that you spoke to my heart about maybe a decision I made or about who I am, something I'm trying to process. And he loves the simplicity, and, he, and Paul encourages, he says, do not be deceived. Do, don't be strayed from the simplicity of the gospel. Don't make it complicated. You are a son and a daughter of God. You have the ability to hear. And it's okay to, to think that maybe you heard wrong and you tried something out, right? Developing your hearing, me developing my hearing. Even today, there's times where it's like, Okay, that was you. I, you know, I, I made that complicated. 
I thought you weren't saying that. And I thought it was had to be something bigger. And he says, no, Matt, it was that. It's pretty simple. Second part, to being a doer, it says, be doers. <laughs> so what's the first word? Be. So we hear to be. <clears throat> Man, that was like the biggest revolutionary identity thought that changed everything was doing comes from being. Your doing, your operating flows from believing and being. So understanding who you are and whose you are and where you came from, the whole basis of your identity structure creates the doing. So I remember young, you know, I'm 30 now, again, in my 20s is kind of really where I've developed a lot of my beliefs so far with what I've got, for what it's worth, which is a lot in the kingdom. You know, coming out of a very religious piece of Christianity, and before that, I screwed up a lot. So from like the ages of 16 to 20, I was high a lot. I loved to smoke marijuana. I was high about every day for a solid two years straight. One day my parents asked me, they found some stuff in my car and they said, Matt, do you have a problem? I said, well, if you consider every day, all day a problem, yes. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you know, and some time went by and you know, I'll never forget the day I was driving in my, my 1990 Volvo that my dad gave me which I crashed the next day that he gave it to me, but before he gave it to me and I was allowed to just drive it, you know, I'd, I'd get high in my car and I just remember having this thought with God, like, man, God, I got a problem. And I know it's, I'm trying to change my reality and, you know, but I just want to acknowledge that I got a problem right now. You know, I know what the Bible says. I know what you ask of me and I'm just not doing that. My doing does not look like this. And through one night of me just having an encounter with God in my bedroom, you know, I just gave it all up. And I asked Holy Spirit to come in my life, and Holy Spirit came upon me. And it was an encounter that I had, which then opened up the desire for more and the hunger to know God and to know who I was, which changed my doing. So... You know, in Christianity and in tons of religions, it's all about behavior sometimes. What's your behavior look like? And your behavior's gotta look like Jesus. What would Jesus do? But if we're focused on behavior, not identity, then the behavior's never really gonna seem natural. You know, sometimes you might have to force the behavior when we don't want to, which is just the process of maturity, right? But it feels more natural when you become a new creation in Christ when old things become new, which is all he asks. He asks us just to give us, give, give him us. The word became flesh, right? Jesus became flesh so that you and me, our flesh can become like the word. So we could become like Jesus, we can be. Understanding the identity of also just light and darkness, understanding what my identity was like when I loved the fruits of darkness, and then looking at the consequences of what comes from that. The shame, the guilt, 
How does it affect other people? Just giving place to understanding. Um, you can go to the next point. So becoming more like the word. It's um, in James right there. It said, oh, let me pull that back. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. He observes himself, he goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was like. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So we be. We flow our doing from being. Jesus even said the be attitudes, right? Not the do attitudes. But B, have these attitudes and the doing will come. Not only that, what do we do? Well, we continue in the perfect law of liberty. The perfect law rules of freedom, of liberty. Abiding in the word of God gives us the ability to walk in freedom. To have, and what do I mean by freedom? To have the ability to choose, to say yes and no to whatever I want to say to. Because I'm understanding more of my identity in Christ that... I have a spirit, what, of not a fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So I have the ability to choose yes or no on how I want to behave and how I want to act. And that's the perfect law of liberty and continuing in it, reading the Word of God, hanging out with Jesus. We need the Spirit and the Word, right? The Spirit activates to understand the Word and the heart of the Father as we abide in the Word. So a part of this message was um, doers of the word, the hidden word of your heart, which is Psalms 119. The hidden, hiding the word in your heart. Can you go to the next slide again? It says, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It was pretty neat rolling up to getting asked to teach, I think for about two months. That was kind of, it just came naturally in my prayer in the morning was, I'm hiding your word in my heart, God. And it's not so much like, well, I'm gonna study and I'm gonna make sure I know every single word on the verses and no, it's what is the active prophetic word you're giving me today that I need to hide in my heart? What is the word that I need to know of who I am as a father, as a husband, as an employee, as a son, as a son of God in this moment in time? What is the word that I need to know and to hide that in my heart? Sustainable doing comes from internal transformation. Sustainable doing, it comes from internal transformation of hiding his word in our heart. So my question, one, another discussion question, and I just want you to talk to one other person, is what's the word that you're hiding in your heart today? What's the active word that you're hiding in your heart today that's transforming you to be more like God or to be more who your identity or to be doing what you're doing but what's that one word that you're hiding in your heart five minutes journey of reading God's word being found in the secret place it says that I've hidden your word in my heart so the hiding place the secret place where I'm with your word I'm hanging out with you, you know, visually getting to read 
and let that translate into visuals and pictures and thinking about the stories and when Jesus said this and how did, what, what do you think that person was thinking when he talked to that guy and when David did this, wow, what was going through his, his mind and his heart and developing a journey in God's word is just beautiful. You know, you find yourself and a lot of your identity in just this journey of hanging out in God's word. You know, like I said, you know, he told me, he said, just as the word became flesh, when Jesus, he became flesh, you and me, we get to become like the word. I don't mean like we're a walking book everywhere, but we're like, we get to be like God, like Christ. Christian is a little Christ, a little anointed one is what Christian means. So you and me, we get to be little anointed ones, little Jesuses. He wasn't just the son of God, but the son of man. Right? He's like our brother in, Christ, in, well, in the kingdom, if that makes sense, as a man. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he operated. He did life on earth as a man, anointed by the Holy Spirit, right? So, and as a son. So we get to see, like, as a picture and an example, a representation of not just a man who operated as God, but as man. So I get to do the same. So being and doing and flowing out of that, understanding. You know, if I think behavior is everything, and that's the cornerstone of, of what it means to be a Christian is my behavior, you're going to face a lot of condemnation, right? You're going to be beating yourself up over the do's and don'ts. Don't do this and don't do that. I remember as a kid, well, can I do this? Can I do that? I can't do this. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure, you know, like today, well, I can't wear shorts preaching. Then I ask myself, can I not wear shorts preaching? Is that really a don't around here? It might not. It might be, but then it's understanding maybe the, the, the heart behind maybe why you don't wear shorts preaching. Are we trying to, and whether I don't understand it or not, honoring maybe a principle of the kingdom. So flowing from sonship, from being his, not just focusing on do's and don'ts, and becoming and hiding the word in our heart, it then creates the doing. So it's not just focus on just the doing, but there's so much before this, right? And if we just focus on this, the doing will just happen. I know I'm repeating myself a lot, but I think I have to. So doing, the doing, the doing, the doing is going to ask people or is going to cause people to think, ask, what is about your being, right? It's going to, what I'm trying to say is, your doing is a testimony of itself that's going to ignite people to want to understand your being, okay? So the children of Israel and the church, we're called holy. What does that mean? That means set apart. We're set apart. Why are we set apart? To be his testimony, to be his witness. He's got to show himself. He's got to take his fingerprint, put it on us. So people are going to want to know there's something different. There's a fingerprint. There's an identity that's different on that individual, and I need to know about it. And that could look in a variety of ways. It could look through generosity. It could look through patience and long-suffering. How many of us need that, right? <sighs> Especially in my job, dealing with people. 
Long-suffering and patience. Hey, you think this, you think that, I think differently. Okay, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sit on this before I say something. The children of Israel and the church, they were set apart to be a witness, a witness, a witness of prosperity, a witness of peace, a witness of success. I'm not talking about just financially, success in all areas of life. And now as the church, we're a witness of the supernatural with the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Holy Spirit, walking in righteousness and how we act and behave, but miracles, healing, the prophetic. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't even know. He wants to show things that you and me don't even know. And it's for the purpose of a testimony. It says in Revelation that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So you and me living out the testimony of Jesus in our life in a certain way, whether let's just say believing for something, walking in faith, and it happens. And now Susie over here, she needs the same thing. And you, she hears your testimony of Jesus it's, a, it's prophetic for her now to be activated in faith to believe for the same thing. Follow me? The testimony. He wants to show himself. Testimony means witness, to witness something. Uh, there was a car that flipped uh, behind our house last night. Someone was, uh, my neighbor was telling me at 1.30 in the morning, a little girl was driving. She hit a car, flipped the car, and he witnessed it. He watched it happen. He was a witness. You and me get to be and live out a witness. So last discussion question, and then I kind of want to, uh, the last question is for you right now, what's a practical way in your doing? You know, Fred talked about already, he skipped all the way to the end. I think he read the notes, but for him, it's having a little bit of cash in his pockets. You know, instead of just the debits and the credit cards. But what are some practical ways that we can be doing? And then um, I want to invite some of the leaders up to the front. Uh, we're going to play some worship. And coming back to the being, if you want to encounter being or you want a word to be hiding in your heart, you need a prophetic word today, that you're welcome to come up. And we're going to do a little bit of worship, but we want to pray for you. We want to prophesy over you. Um, so you know what why don't we do this instead of getting into groups just think while we're some of the people are coming up think about what are some practical ways you can be doing and um, we'll take it from there